Welcome to the Who Cares Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Hedinger. Care matters. The best care produces many important results, and most of all, it helps people experience God's love even in the worst of times. So we're here to find the answer to the question, how can we care better? Today, our guest is Jim Gilbert. Jim's a successful CPA, business development professional, husband, dad, uh, son-in-law, and strong in the Christian faith. Uh, He also has a military past. He's experienced some of his own trauma, and he's walked with uh, a father-in-law who experienced dramatic flashbacks after the Vietnam War. He has current friends uh, who struggle with PTSD to some level or another, and Jim just wants to help people. And today we talk about the value of talking and getting healthy from a PTSD by being open and vulnerable. But before my conversation with Jim, you should know this podcast is brought to you by Best Care Ministry. For more real-life stories of care, useful resources, important organizations that care for people in a variety of critical ways, go to our website, bestcareministry.com. It's also a great opportunity for you to get connected with the care ministry world. You can also support us financially with a one-time or recurring gift on the donate page of our website. Please consider supporting us financially so that together we can build a culture of care so people do experience God's love and live a healthier life. Now, Let's listen to my conversation with Jim Gilbert on PTSD and the value of being open and talking. Hey, Jim, welcome to the podcast. Really nice to be talking with you today about this important subject of PTSD and maybe in a broader sense, just trauma in general. Right, right. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate the opportunity to speak today. So you're a businessman, and uh, I've had multiple people tell me how skilled you are at business, how knowledgeable you are. I certainly appreciate the help you've given me over time, but you're also a military man. That goes back a few years. Tell us a little bit about that real quick. Yeah, I, I served in, in the 90s and during the, the Desert Storm days, the original before the Iraq War and stuff like that. And I, I served in um, a NATO rapid action group with we had we had five other uh, NATO um, armies that we served with and stuff like that and and uh, yeah it was a good good experience I got to see uh, most most of uh, Europe and Southeast Asia Southwest Asia and uh, really good good time in, in the army <clears throat> so well hey I want to give us a definition of trauma and then I'm going to ask you. Uh, why have you become interested in supporting vets from PTSD? But first, here's the definition of trauma. Trauma is an emotional response to a terrible event, like an accident, rape, or natural disaster. Immediately after the event, shock or denial are typical. Longer-term reactions include unpredictable emotions, flashbacks, strained relationships, and even physical symptoms like headaches or nausea. While these feelings are normal, some people have difficulty moving on with their lives. 
Now, this definition, along with a lot of other information about trauma, can be found on the American Psychological Association website. And we, in the blog on our website, uh, bestcareministry.com, people can also find more information about trauma. But trauma and the military is, they're just hand in glove because you guys experience trauma in one way or another almost all the time. or maybe not all the time, but but at some time, almost everybody experiences it. So why have you become interested in helping guys uh, with PTSD? Oh yeah, of course, Dan. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, when when I served, I um, I served with um, guys that were Rangers and Special Forces uh, folks and Delta members and stuff like that, and. You know, I, I saw people from different campaigns, different walks of lives, and, and different services. And you know, we during the military, you know, we all have some some level of, uh, I would say, uh, our, our own version of trauma, whether it's uh, whether it's direct or indirect, that kind of stuff and stuff. So, I um, I just felt I felt uh, the compassion, you know, from 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 our uh, our faith, you know, Christ Christ commands us to love others and stuff like that. I just felt. The compassion for people that experience trauma, and no two traumas the same. Nobody has the same trauma. My trauma is different than yours, if, even if we had the same experience and how we react to it. So, uh, you know, PTSD is was uh, became prevalent in in the military uh, after after the Vietnam War, and you know, my 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 father-in-law, which I'm hoping we get to talk about too today. Uh, you know, he, he was one of, one of the first classes in uh, Palo Alto in, for 18 months in a PTSD program after the Vietnam War. And, you know, I, I, I feel for those folks, the servicemen and women, and, you know, it's, um, it's a tough, tough road for folks. You know, some have worse trauma than others, and people, how they cope and deal with it is very difficult. And um, I just felt the, the kind of God directed me to... Um, be kind, to be listened, be compassionate, uh, show, show, uh, show whatever I can to support to folks like that. And it's, it's, it's one of my, one of my life's passions for, for, you know, it's not just servicemen and women, it's first responders. It's, it's people in general. Lots of people have, 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 uh, trauma and PTSD from childhood and different, different, uh, situations in their life. So, you know, it's kind of a prevalent thing throughout my life to try to be compassionate with folks that, Maybe had an unfor- uh, you know, an unfortunate experience that caused some trauma in their lives. I, I think you're right. Everybody's had trauma, uh, mm-hmm. and and I, I, I think I have in some ways. I've happened on fatal car accidents a couple of times, mm-hmm. and that that creates a, a memory. And and I've had a few events in my life that were uh, very earth shattering professionally. Uh, and it wasn't an instant event, but it was a job loss or uh, something major that I didn't have time to stop and grieve and think through. I had to just keep moving forward, putting bread on the table, and I didn't even have time to to mm-hmm. grieve it. So I think that's the whole post-traumatic element, too. You, you experience a trauma. Right. You don't have time to deal with it. You got to keep moving, and then down the road, a year or five or ten or even twenty, you realize the effects of that trauma are bedded somewhere in your psyche, in your mind, in your emotions, in your soul. 
How would you respond to that? No, I, th I think you're right to think we all have have things that we have to internalize. And I think that's that's where the PTSD comes in, you know, and, you know, I give an example. My father-in-law, you know, he, he got out of out of Vietnam and I think like 1974. He didn't go to his first PTSD class and training until 1981. And then, you know, when I when I married his daughter. So how many years was that? Well, well, think about the gap between 74 and 81, Dan, right? Yeah, he had, yeah. He had to deal with this on his own, and he, he basically basically told me that when he when he got discharged from the army, they were like, "Good, well, good luck," you know. And it's not the army's fault at that time; it's just how the culture was. But he sort of had to deal with life and go from you know being in a uh, he, was, he was he was called a he was a special forces guy. He was called called a tunnel rat, you know, in Vietnam, and so he had to get out in 1974 and then survive seven eight years later till finally somebody said. Hey, you might want to get some help here, right? And uh, they they actually put him in an 18-month program in Palo Alto in a in a, uh, a military base there to try to help him, right? Because I think the army realized, boy, there's there's a lot of trauma that our soldiers have have taken on, and and we got to teach these people life skills on how to deal with it, you know? Because I know for fact, I for fact that he internalized that stuff and. You know, I've been married married to his daughter for many years, and many it took many, many, many years before he would trust me, before he would tell me kind of the kind of the details of what bothered him and what, um, you know, during the war and that kind of stuff, and you know the the things that he had to experience. And you know, he was telling me one time about he was in a tunnel and there was a Vietnamese lady with an AK-47, 90 year old woman. It was him and this lady. And his mission was to, you know, get around her. And so he had to deal with that. And, you know, he's like, oh, that really bothered me. I, I it, it frightened me. What do I do? You know, I have this 90-year-old uh, Vietnamese lady and she's got an AK-47, you know. So and so it's stuff like that that he, he had to had to internalize. And he'd forgotten about it until he told me like in must have been in the 90s. So about 15 years went by before he's like. I, I just remember that, you know, and it start, starts to come out, you know, it started to come out at a, and as he was, um, as he was trying to uh, deal with that, he wanted somebody to, somebody to listen to him, because no one, he, he always told me, nobody's ever listened to me, nobody ever listened to me, so I, I, I just felt, well, you know what, I'm, you know, he's my father-in-law, he's my relative, I'm going to try to help him, and I just tried to listen to his story, so as the years went by, I, you know, I, 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 I told tell me more tell me more about it. and I think I think it helped him I think him help help him process the trauma that he felt there and you know how he dealt with his PTSD you know so because some days he had some rough days you know and yeah he had to deal in those days as well so <clears throat> oh yeah. I am sure Jim that you helped him and you know you're talking about Vietnam I, in a minute I'll, I'll hear about your story but mm -hmm. I think that's kind of a pattern of military. I mean, my dad was a POW in World War II. Mm -hmm. He was shot down from a B-17 on his 28th mission over Germany. Six out of the ten guys in his plane died. My mm -hmm. dad survived, mm -hmm. uh, and he's told me some of the details, but not a lot. And he was captured on the ground and served 11 months in a German prisoner of war camp. Mm. Dad never talked about it much, and he hardly ever talked to any of his peers or the VA uh, until much, much later in life. Uh, a few years before he died, he connected with the pilot of the plane, I think, 
or, or one of his pilots, one of his colleagues. And, uh, but Jim, that had to be a 50 year gap. And, oh, wow. and I think, yeah. I think yeah. my dad uh, dealt some with PTSD. Yesterday I, I made a new friend and this is a guy who's writing, uh, working on two projects on the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And we got to talking about PTSD there. And one man, uh, his, uh, his uh, college professor that was in one of my classes on grief, he said he thinks America stopped grieving in a healthy way after the Civil War because we had so much mm-hmm. grief that we didn't have time to grieve. We just had to rebuild our country and move on that we became a country in PTSD, yeah, essentially. And, and, you know, I think what you're talking about now is so important because we may be there again with all of the shootings we see and natural disasters and uh, terror attacks and different things. We're, we're all living with trauma. So if, if we can learn how to talk about it, we're probably going to be healthier individuals, and the more healthy individuals there are, the more healthy our culture will be. So you were telling me about what you had to go through as a 22-year-old. Now, this wasn't battlefield uh, life and death, but it was pretty dramatic and unfriendly, to say the least. Would you tell us a little bit about your 22-year-old story? And I'd like to remind all of our listeners... 22 years old is awfully young to be dealing with some of these types of situations. So, Jim, let your story. Well, well exactly. I, I was uh, I was talking to one of my fellow service uh, people that I worked that I, w- I was in a unit together, and we were talking about. He he reminded me. He goes, "Do you do you remember when we loaded 450 vehicles from five nations on a boat and?" We put people. We put equipment on planes. You remember, we went from Belgium all the way down to Turkey, and we had this big, big, large boat that you know that docked at two thirty in the morning. So you know, when we got there, uh, you know, I was I was in charge of the load. That's a lot of responsibility for a twenty-two-year-old guy. Uh, for you know, five nations and four hundred fifty vehicles, and all the the equipment and the the soldiers are there. So. When we got there, you know, it was a kind of a storm at scene, and I got the boat cap- captain yelling at me, say, "Get your equipment off my boat," and telling me, "Hurry up! I I've got to get you unloaded because I got to go to my next uh, my next you know uh, um, venture there." And, and and meanwhile, meanwhile, I I'd forgotten about this. Uh, there was lo- local people uh, near near the port protesting against Americans, telling us get out of our country, and they were throwing bottles at us and. You know, I just remember the the feelings I had between you know tr- trying to be safe, get everything off this boat, getting a single formation to go to our first rally point. I got the boat captain chirping in my ear. I've got people protesting. They're throwing bottles at us and throwing things at us and rocks. And we're th- trying to we're trying to be peaceful and you know just get on our way, right? So in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea uh, at a port, trying to figure this out, and I. I'd forgot all about that. So my my guy Renee, his first name is Renee. He said, "Boy, he goes, I still remember you were you were just cool under fire." But I, but I, but I think that trauma, a little bit of trauma, not not life or death necessarily. I think I bottled up for all these years, and I completely forgot about having to deal with the security of getting protested protested against the boat captain and 
you know, dealing with all with you know four or five other nations and their their equipment. That was very 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 traumatic for me. And I, like you said, years go by and you forget about these things. But I, I just remember the feelings and how stressed I was. And I, you know, as you know, one of the things that um, the military teaches you, especially if you're a combat arms person, is to kind of internalize it and suck it up. Right? <laughs> That's what they kind of tell you to do. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, I just kind of relived that moment with him and we and he was just like, boy, I just, he goes, I was so impressed with your ability to just handle that. And I was like, well, I, I had to do what I had to do. Like, you know, like anything else, you just got to do what you got to do. And because we, we had a mission, right? And we were, we were uh, a NATO rapid, reac- rapid reaction group with, you know, five member nations. And we, we had to get to the middle of of um of turkey pretty fast because that's what we were directed to do so yeah it's it's things like that dan that uh i think a lot of some people experience and for me i i think i just put it in a bottle and put a cork on it and said well, okay that's the way it was and and uh, now that i think about it how scary that was as a 22 year old it's you know <laughs> a lot of stress for for a young man so you know when i was 22 I think I was in my fifth year of college. I squeezed a four-year degree into five years. And uh, uh, I was just worried about getting my senior paper done. (laughs) And when I think, and then I even think over the course of my ministry and in my adult life, I mean, I've had a few bad days, but that sounds like a really rough and difficult circumstance. And you know, like every other military guy, you didn't have time to sit around and cry about it. You just had to get it done. And then you had to move on to the next thing, keep moving. By the time you get done with that, you sort of sort of forget about it, except it's in there, isn't it? It's, oh, it is. It's it is. tucked away. Is. And so lately you have been talking to some of your uh, military buddies. So mm-hmm. uh, you, you've had the chance to talk to them again, and as you talk to them, you're finding even yourself things are coming out that you forgot were there is that correct yeah that's that's absolutely correct and i you know i i think and then you know i i I shared a a similar story with renee and he saw the same thing and so and he we were talking about some of the things that he he experienced and i was like i i didn't realize that he goes boy there are some things that scared scared me to death, (laughs) you know because i i didn't know if i was good if i was going to make it and be safe and you know, some of the things we had to do that, you know, things that happened like 2.30 in the morning when you haven't slept in a couple of days. And, you know, it's just, it, it's rough on you. And I think a lot of people have these experiences and not doesn't have to be military, but it's, you know, it could be just your normal day of life. And so, you know, now that I look back, I, we should have, we should have probably been a little bit more vulnerable with each other and probably talked about it. You know, it's probably been in a healthier thing, but at the time, Oh, we'd never talk about that. Never, never show your vulnerability and be scared or, you know, now I would, you know, I have nothing to be ashamed of. And so, yeah, those things, those things definitely happen. So, Jim, this, this may be a difficult question to answer, not because it's a particularly hard question. It's just a very hard thing to measure. Do you have any idea how it helped you to talk about it? Did it, did it make you feel any different? Do you think it protected you from any problems that might be in the future or healed you from anything in the past how did it make you feel to talk about it with somebody that you trusted well so that that's the key trust you you hit it right on the head right and so i trust him and um 
and that's the bond that that my guys have together right we have we have a bond there and we we can talk about anything right because we experienced the same stuff together and uh, just amazing how it was. It felt good for me to realize that and feel feel that I, that I don't know. It's not necessarily trauma, but feel the anxiety of that day, and then just kind of process it. It was my way of processing, and we kind of giggled about it towards the end, going, "How silly I was as a 22 year old to get you know 450 vehicles off a boat and get them in single column formation while people are." Are, are, are not very nice to you and it's 2 30 in the morning and there's a storm at sea and they're throwing things at you and they're protesting against you you know uh wow what what an experience you know they they um and um you know it felt good to felt good for me to be vulnerable and talk to him and it made me made it made us both feel good about you know just process these events and then it kind of cleared cleared it out of our minds like yeah, that was an experience, but it you know it, it made us stronger, and we're we're good for it today. You know, we're still we're we're strong gentlemen today. So, and maybe one of the things, and and this is a a new thought in my mind, even as we're talking today. Maybe one of the reasons that people don't talk about it is they're not really quite sure how it's going to benefit them. You know, even like it's hard to answer that question today. You don't know exactly how you're different today than if you hadn't talked about it. Mm -hmm. But there is a sense that it felt good. There is a sense that there was uh, a bringing something to the surface that that you kind of had a chance to deal with and, and put to rest that, that isn't rolling around in the back of your mind or isn't uh, causing some toxic emotion deep in your soul. Uh, but it's hard to measure, isn't it? So, you know, maybe guys don't even realize how much good it does to talk about it. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, uh, think think about if I had processed that myself, Dan. Think about if I had a trigger and I thought about that by myself. Like you said, it was, it'd be rolling around in my mind. I'd be thinking about that. And that was a high anxiety time for me that I had to, had to just internalize and move on. And you know, it felt good for me because we could talk about it and talk about it in detail and 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 just talk about our fears and anxiety and the anger or whatever whatever's going on in our lives. And it kind of it was a good way to what I would say process, process those feelings, process those emotions, you know, process those thoughts, and and not not feel guilty or not feel bad about it and not ever get over it. You just we just we were able to just talk through it and it. It felt felt really good for me to trust him, trust the situation, and uh, you know, because that 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 particular guy reported to me, and I and I was I, I was always have to be the tough guy at the time, right? I have to be the tough guy. I never can let show any weakness. And now that we're you know we're civilians now, we're we're just we're just men, and it was good for us to kind of just talk as as human beings with a little bit of compassion. You know, he he and I both come. We have the same faith back, back background, and we were like, well, you know, we, we were all going saying, thank God for what he did for us, because that situation was beyond our ability. I'll tell you right now, that was beyond our ability, and, and we, we persevered and got through it, scared out of our minds, but we were like, okay, let's let's do it, you know? So. Well, I'm, I'm glad you did that. I appreciate your service, too. I just want to thank you for your service and, and for for working and serving your country. And, and my heart goes out, too, to the guys uh, who have served on the front lines of the battlefield. Uh, 
and guys like my dad who mm. the guns were going off, the explosions were happening right around them, and the guys right to their right and their left died. And uh, to, to live with those kind of memories, I, I worked on a PTSD unit at a psychiatric hospital, saw a lot of guys come in who, who had some real emotional problems because they saw some really difficult things. And I know you and I today, our goal is just to get those those guys to feel free talking about it, just to know that talking is something that really helps. And, and the same thing with first responders. You, you know, a, a few of my traumas in life have been seeing bad car accidents. Well, you know, every time I see the paramedics pull out or the cops driving fast, I go, they're, they're going to somewhere bad, you know. Mm. Something is happening. And so, you know, to... We we may agree or disagree with everything they do. I may not like it when they pull me over or something like that. But, boy, they see some bad stuff. And if we can uh, appreciate that or pray for them, uh, find a way to support, let them know they're safe with us or with our church, uh, that, that can really be an important thing. So my next question, a little bit uh, different. Mm-hmm. Is PTSD contagious? So here's what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. If, a, if a man or a woman has PTSD and they don't talk about it, but they have it living in their life, in their mind, in their heart, how does it affect those around them? That's one of the things I found a lot in the, the psych hospital. The people were there because things were really falling apart in their relationships after they came home from overseas. And I know you had some real stuff with your father-in-law. Maybe you can go in now to how he started acting out and how that affected your wife and you and the people around you. Yeah, you know, it's uh, that's a good point. Uh, it, 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 I don't know, maybe the word's not contagious, but it surely impacts the people that, that, that love you and you love them. I mean, I he uh, he lived a block away from us. He bought a house a block away from us, uh, ironically, and because he wanted to be near to us, you know, and I thought that was great. And so, you know, it's um, it it does impact people. So you know, there were days there were days when he'd get triggered, and uh, he we would have what we would call a PTSD episode, you know, and. Sometimes he would call me or call my wife, and and you know it's it's kind of it's a little scary to listen to a person that's distraught, angry, crying, emotional. You know they're they're having you know they're processing some of their feelings that that have been bottled up. And yeah, there were days when you know the the the, the police department would come over to my house and say, Jim, he only trusts you. <laughs> It's either you or us, and I said, "Okay, well, let, let, let's go see what's going on." And there were there were many a day I'd go over to his house, and I'd say, "Hey, what, what's going on today?" He's like, "And you know, and you know, some people call it flashbacks or PTSD episodes." He'd, he'd have some moments, and you know, I I got a little bit of training from his doctor. Some of the VA folks they they did a great job preparing me for that, and so you know, processing, getting him to calm down, and having patience and listening and allow him to come off, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a moment where he was either angry or distraught or emotional, you know, that, that was something we had to try to do for him. And, you know, he would, 
some of those things would scare his my wife, his daughter, and she'd say, "I don't know how to deal with this, Jim. I'm not. I'm not you. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't in the army. I don't know what to do for him." And you know, I work with the VA in collaboration with him as well. So we tried to. We did a kind of a, a, a kind of a triangle there. Then I I'd work with this therapist, and uh, we'd we'd work on that stuff. And but you know, it impacted us. Some some days, some sometimes he would go dark on us for two weeks. Wouldn't talk to us. He wasn't. He was having, having, uh, you know, what what we call a PTSD episode, and you know, it, it took a lot of, lot of energy, a lot of emotional energy, a lot of time, a lot of compassion, a lot of listening, a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer. Like God help me, because this is beyond. For most of us, it's beyond our ability to help those folks. You know, it, it's, it takes professional help. That's why people are in psych hospitals, and uh, you know, it. Uh, but. But I will tell you, it does impact, the, it comes back to them in spades. And what I mean by that is that if you can listen to somebody and help them and figure out if you, you can just, just let them be vulnerable, let them cry, let them be angry, eventually they, they come around and, and it's, it's good for them. It's good for you to try to just try to understand because they, they've got so much in their minds they want to communicate and process, you know, because no two people do it the same way. Um, you know, and so, uh, that, that's, that's kind of the relationship I had And there, you know, months would go by and things were great. I'd go on vacation with him. We were doing really, really great. And, and other times, you know, it's, it's like, uh, I get the knock on the door from the police department saying, we need your help because we don't want to, we don't want to arrest him because he's, you know, he's having a fit. And I was like, well, let me come over, check it out. Let me see what's going on. So he, and he always like, oh, I'm so glad you're here because he trusted me. Right. And I thought it was good. And his doctor's like, if you can get him to trust you and if you can listen to him, first order business, he will be just fine. You just, it just takes some time. But you, so you have to take the time. I just felt like I had to take sometimes, sometimes at two o'clock in the morning, I'd be to his house to 430 in the morning. And then things got better, you know, and I was like, well, I can either ignore it or I can try to help them because I, I just felt the loyalty as a fellow soldier that I could, I should try to help them. You know, he had a group of 12 people in his PTSD group, and I befriended all those guys, you know, and and, and um, I, I tried to be friendly to them, tried to, you know, I tried to take them to church. I tried to, you know, go eat meals with them, tried to listen to them. And I think it, I think it does work. I think it helps if, you know, if we could all think in that, that vein. I think it's very productive for them and plus, plus us. Otherwise, if you leave it alone, Dan, it, 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 get, it can get worse and worse and worse and then people kind of spiral out of control you know and but if there's love and compassion and listening and trust trust is the big one i think i think you're good i think they're good i think you're good but you know it just takes effort you know <laughs> so you you've uh included a lot of really important information in in your recent answer to my question because mm-hmm. you hit on the word trust again. We'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. You you talked about on the value of simple listening. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to have you back in a future podcast where we talk mostly about listening and how to listen. Mm-hmm. And I've got some things on the website. And again, our address is bestcareministry.com on, on listening. Because I think most of us are geared or even trained to tell you know, to pitch what we believe, to pitch our product. And we don't realize the value of listening. 
of, of asking questions and getting another person to tell their trauma. Mm -hmm. Trauma is like grief in, in this regard. Uh, and in a lot of ways, trauma is grief, but uh, the grieving person, and maybe we could say the traumatized person, does not need to be made to feel better. They need to feel that they've been heard, that they've been understood, that somebody's uh, uh, understands them and is paying attention to them and validates what they're going through. So, you know, we need to devote a whole episode to that someday because uh, that's important. Do you know any guys right now? Are you hanging out with guys that are struggling with uh, PTSD a little bit, do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I, whenever I encounter somebody that, that has, has some of that, I kind of kind of take it on. You know, sometimes it's like, let's join the gym together or let's let's go have coffee together, those kind of things. And I, you know, I try to try to be a good, good listener and try to be there for them and you know, help them work through their issues. Because sometimes it's just they, because of their PTSD and their trauma, they have issues they can't process. And so we do we do some of that. And I, I've got several other other ex-military folks that I'm working with as well that we we try to help help each other out because we've had shared experiences. Well, Jim, on the website, I'm going to have a uh, phone number, and I think probably most military guys already know this, so they don't need to go to my website. But in case a family member, somebody does, I'm going to have a, uh, a a crisis hotline to the VA where they can get professional help from the VA. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to have you back in the future, and we're going to talk about how we can be better listeners. Because really, that's what we want to do here at Best Care Ministry, is help more and more people learn how to care, and how to listen, and how to support people. Uh, the statistic is going down a little bit, thankfully, but for quite a while, the statistic was that 22 vets a day were committing suicide, which is a staggering number if we realize that we are losing so many more people on this side of the battle than we were in the height of battle. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and we know in our culture generally there's a suicide spike so if we can learn to care for people and notice care and look for it hopefully we can make a difference so can i have you on again and can we talk about how we can be people who listen you oh, absolutely love to love to participate in that discussion yeah it's great so right now we want to encourage guys to talk if there's somebody who hears this that's going through ps ptsd be encouraged to talk Talk to somebody you trust, probably another military guy, but maybe a mentor, uh, a pastor, uh, or somebody in your life. If it gets really serious and you need uh, crisis intervention, the VA is offering a lot more help than, than maybe they used to. It seems that that support is going up. So that's what we encourage guys to do today. And next time we're going to talk about how we can create an army of listeners to help our army of guys struggling with a PTSD. You bet. That sounds great. Thank you. J Jim, thanks so much for being on the podcast with me today. I hope our conversation helps people thrive in their care ministry and helps us care better than we ever have before. Thanks for talking with me today. Yeah, thank you very much, Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jim, for sharing your story and for emphasizing the importance of talking 
and being open so we can be healthier and deal with our traumas. Uh, it'll be so important when our culture gets that because so many people are in trauma. Our military, but our first responders, and our general population these days. So thanks again, Jim, for sharing your story. Now there are some other people I need to thank and give credit to. Zach Harder wrote and performed the opening music. Jim Hedinger's composition, In the Midst of the Storm, is our closing song. Jim's music is calming and comforting, and you can find more of his music on Spotify or Apple, and also at homebydark.com. Thank you, Andrew Hedinger, for producing and editing this podcast. I couldn't do it without you. This podcast is brought to you by Best Care Ministry. Please help us grow by sharing this podcast with colleagues, family members, and friends and people who you think will benefit from today's episode. And visit our website, bestcareministry.com, for many more real-life stories, resources, and organizations that provide specialized care. Best Care Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation. Please consider making a donation so we can reach more people, offer more resources, and help people thrive in their care ministry so that more people feel cared for and feel God's love. Thanks for listening, and now take two minutes for self-care. Be still, be quiet, and listen to the calming music of Jim Hedinger and see what you hear. <laughs>